0: Hello friends and folks, this is Six, I am doing the edit right now, but I wanted to slide in at the top here and offer y'all a spoiler warning. Throughout the Gimmick Awards we are discussing games and anime, and sometimes as part of the conversation we spoil what is in those works. At those times we will come in at the top and let y'all know what gets spoiled during the conversation. This is the first one, and it's also a pretty simple one. We only spoil Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, no other spoilers for this one. But uh, it will not be so simple going forward, I think. Regardless, I will always make sure to come in at the top and let y'all know what you should be ready for. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to Scanlan Media's 2023 Gimmick Awards. We're here to talk about the year and the experiences we've had through 2023. I'm Six Detmar.
1: I'm Jennifer Frankel. I'm
2: Kyrie Page.
0: And today we're here to talk about the best surprise. It's always a nice, you know, it's a nice thing to talk about just the things that we didn't expect, because a lot of the times in advance, we're looking at the calendar, we're looking at what's coming out. And we're like, okay, this is what we can expect to to care about, to want to cover. And we cherish the moments when we're wrong about that. In a good way, because in a bad way, is we don't do that category anymore. That's a we bummer. Don't
2: do that. Yeah, that was kind of too much of a bummer.
0: And <laughs> not a productive bummer, usually. Um, mm-hmm. Can you read our list of nominees, Jen?
1: Sure thing. For best surprise, we have Street Fighter Six: The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Fall of the Night, Hi Fi Rush, Sight, The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo, is Seven, F one twenty three, Lies of P Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, Ygtra Union, Wild Hearts, Oshinoko, and Suika Game.
0: Yeah. A good mix of, of games and anime on here, as befitting our new our new approach. Mm-hmm
2: right um hmm. where do we want to start
0: it's a good question um i probably just want to name check wild hearts and then it can go um but part of the reason i want to name check wild hearts wild hearts is a uh, game made by omega force the you know dynasty warriors people And they made a Monster Hunter, and it's really cool and really good. Um,
2: I played a little bit of Wild Hearts, um, and it was pretty cool, of what I experienced with it. Like, I didn't get terribly far, but, like, Wild Hearts was, it's it's like, it was weird and surprising for the Dynasty Warriors people to put out a Monster Hunter game that plays really well.
0: and has some fun ideas, right? I was I was skeptical of like the structure building stuff it has in it. Um I was like I don't need crafting in this game. And that's not really what it is though. Um and then also its choice of weapons are kind of fun and interesting. You've got like the parasol and stuff and that's fun. Um but ultimately it's like okay, they made a good game. They're, you know, they often have problems of not having enough money to get their work done, right? But they're talented enough, it's not surprising that talented devs made a game that was worth playing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think people just forget because they're constantly thinking them as the Warriors team, but uh, I I feel like this year, especially with both uh, Wild Hearts and uh, the Fate game they made, they've shown that they have quite the range when they are given the opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Part of the reason I wanted to, and part of the reason I wanted to mention it, is because uh, it was it was a EA published game, and they have basically killed it off. Um, it's not going to get further support, and that's a bummer because it was really cool. But
1: yeah, it they basically wanted Monster Hunter World numbers for the first game in a franchise, and of course that's not going to happen. But uh, because it didn't happen. You, what you get here is what you're going to get for the
2: rest of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I can also... There's one I can name-check, Idra Union. Um, that was just surprising to me because that is a... So it's a port of a PSP game, and it kind of shows. Um, the port is not the best. But it's like of this kind of obscure PSP game that was originally a Game Boy Advance game that I was a big fan of in college, and it was surprising to me that <laughs> it was remembered well enough to get a PC port. Um, Union is a tactical RPG, a game in which, like, the way you position your units on the field in either, like, an X or a cross pattern, like... You do multiple skirmishes at once, like, based on the pattern of your own allies and the enemies. And it's a really cool, like, game that I was just surprised to be able to play a modern version of.
0: Oh, I'm looking at this. Yeah, I remember this from back in the... I didn't play it, but I remember seeing it back in the day. This is the this is the one where I was like, oh, they're, they're Advance Wars inspired. Interesting. Which is m- misleading. I think aesthetically there is some advanced Wars-like presentation of the side-by-side armies with the cut in the middle, but yeah. gameplay-wise it doesn't seem like actually that similar.
2: Oh yeah, gameplay is like, you hold down like certain buttons to be more aggressive or more defensive, you have these tarot cards that you get that you could use mid-fight to like influence the battle because... It's not just a when the battle starts it rolls some dice to determine who wins the conflict. It's like there's a little bit of player input there. And also there's like a weapon hexagon really because there's just so many <laughs> weapon types. Um But yeah, it was cool to have a version of this game that I like quite a bit available, and it was surprising to me because I thought it was forgotten.
0: Yeah, the the games by that studio have had a surprising life. I remember there have been a couple of ports of like Riviera, The Promised Land, and stuff. They're like they're a small team, but they have made the efforts to keep their games alive in a way that is that is appreciable.
2: It's also just really cool with the. Princess has a giant sword that she swings in battle. That's very funny to me.
0: I can't comment. I have a, a, I don't. I don't know this woman.
1: <laughs> I'm okay cutting the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. I just wanted to give it a shout out because uh, it's the rare situation where an April Fools' uh, thing comes out. And instead of it just being, uh, haha, ha, aren't visual novels funny, it's just a, sh- it's a short, sweet, comedic, uh, visual novel about, uh, Amy having a birthday party that's basically treated like a faux murder mystery situation where Sonic volunteers to be the dead person <laughs> in the game and, uh, everyone else has to investigate who killed him or who quote unquote killed him. It- it's really cute, just, uh. Yeah, I think the main surprise is, oh, you made something for April Fool's that wasn't a piece of shit. That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is,
2: isn't it also like, you could tell it's made by people who care about visual novels, because isn't there like, if you try to name yourself Battler or something like that, the game would just like, makes a echo reference at you?
1: I think there's something like that in there, yeah.
2: But it is it was like because we've seen a bunch of these where around april 1st they you know these companies make these joke games and you're as you're right most of the time it's visual novels and it's jokes about like how much visual novels suck or something like that right but this is just like this is just a fun visual novel that they put out
0: mhm yeah i think if if there were a little more to it I would be happy to keep it on this list, and I certainly think it's worth the nomination. Um, as is, yeah, mostly the surprises. Oh, look, you uh, weren't a shithead about this. That's cool, but you know, and that sounds that sounds dismissive. But all of your peers are so,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and also just it's cool to see the Sonic characters dress up like detectives and uh, have their own little mystery.
0: Um, I think. Probably we can cut Street Fighter 6 and Disgaea 7 for the same reason. Both of these are series that have been historically good and had one huge flop entry and then returned to form, which is certainly surprising, but it's not like we shouldn't actually be that shocked, right? Disgaea 6 fucking sucked. Disgaea's 1 through 5 were good. Certainly mm-hmm. certainly five was a little bit less than you know four. there was a little bit of a downhill slide, but it's still a good game. Mm-hmm. And then Street Fighter five was fucking ass, but you know two, three, four, and the alphas are all good
2: right. and also five at a certain level, like eventually like partially corrected like course, it wasn't all the way it, there's not like there was some foundational problems to Street Fighter five. But you know, it was just you know, it was surprising to see Street Fighter Six come out of the gate like so well polished and so confident. But also, there's other things that frustrate me about Street Fighter Six now that is like sure are new new wrinkles to the problem. But um, it can also be it can be cut. But it was nice to have a Street Fighter like. It's a numbered Street Fighter game, and it's good. That's good.
0: Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) Tell me about Suica Game and why it's on here.
2: So Suica Game is a funny little puzzle game that, for a little while, like, took over, you know, certain circles of Twitter and co-host, because it is a puzzle game in which you drop fruits into a well, and you're trying to make a big watermelon. Uh,
1: it went beyond those. Like, it was a big VTuber thing, and then eventually it got an English Switch port, and Nintendo featured it on their main page, so it it was going places for a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember first encountering it as, like, a web browser version of the game last year, mm-hmm. and... It's a cute, fun game um, that just seemingly came out of nowhere. Like, the surprise is just sort of, like, what is this sweaky game? Oh, it's actually really fun and really cute, and it got big very quickly. Um,
0: if there's a surprise to me, it's that a very, a very minor spin on a Flash game from 2002 got huge. Like, this game has been around forever. Not necessarily always watermelons, but the, like, dropping balls and they merge into bigger balls game is, like, prehistoric. (laughs) Yeah, it's,
2: like, the first video games ever figured out. Um, But it is, like, the Suiki game on, like, the Switch version has, like, a really cute aesthetic, and it's also just $3, so it was, like, a fun little game to play just for a couple minutes and put away. I still I still have yet to like I can't even get the big Suica to show up. I can't get like some people have like been able to get two in their well. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible.
0: Doesn't seem like um, there'd be enough space, but I guess, you know, if you're a wizard. That's right, wizard. that was an accusation. <laughs> Let's see if those fuckers float. You make watermelons out of nothing. (laughs) Alright, do you think it can go?
2: I think it can go. Um, But it was just like... It was fun for, you know, it just had its moment and I thought it was cute and fun.
0: One I'm actually going to push for is Lies of P.
2: I want to push for that as well because Lies of P has... No business being as good as it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everything from the announcement to all the trailers they showed, right up until people got their hands on the demo, it, it seemed like this bizarre joke game where people did not know, okay, so you're making a, a Pinocchio Soulsborn and you have this cop strung up with a sign that says all APAB, all puppets are bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like it. It would like some parts of the promotion of it evoked like the fucking O.G. Lives Matter shit from Deus Ex. And you're just like, what are we doing? Like clumsy reappropriation of very charged real world shit, mm-hmm. and then the idea seemed bad, and then they were copying Bloodborne, and Bloodborne isn't very good, so. <laughs> I was very surprised when Lies of P people were like, "Oh man, they managed they they actually made a pretty cool successor to Bloodborne." I was like, "Well, in a in a sense, I mean, it's good and Bloodborne isn't, which is very impressive if you ask me." But
2: <laughs> I think it takes some of the interesting ideas from Bloodborne um and really just like one i think it's aesthetic is actually quite killer like Mm -hmm. it's like once you actually start like exploring the world and fighting all these like weird puppet monsters like it's really cool um i really like its version of the rally system where this was like present in bloodborne and it's present here where if you take damage if you are if you go on the offensive you get your like health back Mm -hmm. Um, it also has, like, it is genuinely, like, I've seen some, like, late game stuff with people combining handles and blades. Yeah. yeah, Like, that part, that part's really fucking cool, because it's, like, you can, it really gives you the ability to make some, like, really bizarre combinations that shouldn't work, but absolutely do.
0: And that is one of the, in my opinion, one of the faults of Bloodborne, is that. A lot of the trick there were certainly ones that everyone everyone remembers the Kirkhammer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh part of the reason they remember the Kirkhammer is because it's like one of two weapons in the game where both the normal form and the trick form were useful. And taking that dynamic away instead for the like the blades and handles combinations where you can like sort of customize the moveset of a weapon, I think was really smart and, and feels a lot less gimmicky.
2: Yeah like for a game that could easily be read of as just cribbing soul style games for, you know, like there's plenty of knockoff, you know, knockoff games out there. Right. Mm -hmm. But it seems like it has an interesting, like what, I don't even think it's necessarily an aesthetic you have to get past. Like, I think once you get into it, it's like, Oh, okay. it, It makes a lot more sense. Um, and then also just has its own interesting ideas mechanically as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Mm-hmm. It's neat that uh, your character can change over the course of the game too. Like, not just an aesthetic thing, like the way that you fight, and also just the amount of damage you take or don't take depends on how human you are, and uh, how human you are depends on whether you're lying to people or not. Because unlike the traditional... Disney took Disney Pinocchio. We've seen a number of times. Like this game thinks that uh, when you lie to someone, that just shows how human you are.
2: They even did something like really cool. I think you told me about this, Jen. Where like, like the main character's breathing animation will change over the course of the game because they are more becoming more human like. Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the attention detail, detail is really cool, and the way they actually do something with... You really really you were like, okay, maybe this game will be fun to play, but this Pinocchio shit is dumb. It's like, no, it's actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and for the stuff that is a little bit dumb, they lean into it in fun ways, like the now lying uh, loading screen, or lie or die, what do you, uh, die. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's also, as you say, a, a good way to lean into the, sort of the, the part that you can't make sick. It's like, you can't make this part, like, out and out cool, so just be a little dumb with it. Just lean in.
2: But yeah, Liza P. is... Like, and the other thing was, like, it's lead-up, as we had mentioned. Like, I had heard of this game for years and seen the trailers and not known what to expect out of it. Like, it doesn't, it made, a, like, a poor sh- first showing, and then mm-hmm. when it actually got into people's hands, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I am not, like, a Souls person, but, like, I really enjoyed what I played of Liza P. Like, it's got some, like, really stellar ideas.
0: I don't think any of us have played enough of it that you should expect it on, for example, Game of the Year. I don't think any of us have enough experience with it for that, but on surprise, it's a great fit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My only real problem with it is that it is a little too hard for me, but that's more of a me issue.
0: Well, it's also, uh, you know, we're not. It's not really the category, but the counter timing is too tight. It's not fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it is really sweet when you hit it, though. It's pretty cool. Um, we can. I think we can earmark uh Liza P for now.
0: Okay, I can do that.
2: Should
1: we cut Hi Fi Rush?
0: I mean, it's that there are different styles of surprise, and the thing that works against Hi Fi Rush is no one knew it was coming. So there's certainly the surprise of like of what it of like it showing up and being what it is, but there is not the surprise of it working against expectation because we didn't have any.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um this was like If I recall correctly, this was, like, a a announce and release uh, Mm -hmm. thing where, like, they announced it and it was released the same day. Yep.
0: And so the first time I heard of it was people saying, hey, there's this new game that's cool. And so when I played it and I was like, oh, I mean, I don't like it as much as other people do, but, like, its quality wasn't surprising because that was how how I was introduced to it, was by being told it would be good.
2: Hmm. Um, I think it was, like, it was a surprise announcement. Um, I thought it was also the studio it came from. It came from, like, was it Shinji Mikami's, uh... Tango Gameworks, Works. Tango yes. Gameworks, yeah.
1: Though he's left the studio since.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah everyone Tango- notable has. And yet, they made their, maybe their best game.
1: Well, I think the director for Evil Within 2 and Hi-Fi Rush is still there, so that... Okay. I, f- I feel like they have a strong base going forward for other stuff they could make.
0: Fair but,
2: enough, but it was the surprise of here is this like horror game studio, like making a like people described it as a GameCube game. Like it fits in the same aesthetic calling of Beautiful Joe, for example. Of it's bright, it's colorful, it's an action game. It is basically the polar opposite of the Evil Within series. Um, And for that, like, I think, like, it has, like, some merit. I don't know how well it'll do on this list, but I thought it was, like, a cool thing. Um, Also, like, its cutscenes are gorgeously animated. Like, it's really stellar how they would transition from gameplay to cutscene. Like so well in that game, like just Wait, from the way it looks.
0: Chai's is supposed to be twenty-five. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! This your behavior was barely excusable when I thought you were seventeen. What the fuck?
2: Okay, for that reason, we could cut it. <laughs> we gotta cut it.
0: <laughs> um. Hmm. Tell me the argument for Call of the Night. I don't I don't understand its presence here.
2: I mostly put it on there to note that I didn't expect that I would actually like the anime just in general. Mm-hmm. Um but when we covered it earlier this year um like this was in January, February, something like that. Um I was surprised at it is a I I was surprised mostly by, like, how much I had grown enamored with the Call of the Night story. And also just, like, I think... Who was it that made it? Like, it's not surprising that it's, like, a decent, like, show. But, like, it has a lot of, like, really great aesthetic touches to it that I don't really see that often. But, I don't know. I just felt that Call of the Night was worth shouting out because I... Like, yeah, it's still like this like really trashy vampire romance story, but it actually has some interesting things to like do and say about that. Um that I felt was like gave the subject matter a little bit more depth.
0: Okay. And this is this is one where I was I was out because I was sick, I believe. So that's also part of I guess now that I'm thinking about it, why I don't have a strong reaction to it, I wasn't there. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, Leadin Films made it? Who are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they uh, made Other Side Picnic Their record is oh, a bit okay. spotty But they have a few ones where you're like Okay, they do have talent They just are, are a little hit and miss
1: Oh yeah, they're the ones that they also did Berserk 2016
0: Yeah, yeah Definitely a miss a hit there and miss. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> But yeah, I was I was surprised at Like how like it is telling a it is almost using the framework of a trashy romance story to actually explore like the subject matter of romance in an interesting way um I don't okay. think like it can it necessarily like hangs on top three because I know Jen was a big fan of it um but it was like a really entertaining like season of anime, like that I got to watch and I was like huh. I like I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Personally I had a great time and I knew I was going to have a great time going in just because I saw a gif of the characters and I was like, oh yeah, these these people
0: are cool. You saw someone make a sicko face and you're like, alright, the quality of the show doesn't matter. <laughs> <sighs>
1: uh
2: I I guess it also, like, like, when watching it, I thought about it, like, aesthetically, it, I I used to do, like, when I was living in Japan, I used to, like, would, I would take walks at, like, 2, 3 in the morning when I couldn't sleep, and it really captures the sensation, like, the show really does dial into that sensation of being awake while the entire world is asleep. It, Channels into that really well.
0: Okay. I feel like there's still stronger contenders on the list, though. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Site feels like another, like, a hi-fi rush situation, where uh, the style of, like, we didn't know anything about it and then it showed up. It is... I don't know if it makes it better or worse that it's a Square Enix game, right? Um,
1: Yeah, um... The most surprising and weirdest part of it is that this is it. 2023 was the second year in a row where they decided, hey, let's start off the year with a murder mystery game or let's start off the, the year with a mystery game and adventure game. We're not going to tell many people about it, but we're just going to put it out there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like, it's hard to know if it's more surprising that like, oh man, Square Enix put out this thing and they haven't even, they haven't even mentioned it. They get lots of press, but it's like, also it's Square Enix, they're wildly incompetent. They Mm. do this all the time. Constantly.
1: Also seems like it's the last year that something like this is going to happen, because they have decided that they are releasing too many things and that uh, they need to release fewer things so they can market them better. Which, uh... Fair enough, but also, I kind of wish they were cutting from some of the bigger budget things instead and were making more Paranorma sites.
0: Yeah, their statement makes sense. The action they're going to take based on it is to cut all their games that were good in exchange for all the games that are big budget and bad, which is uh, a bummer.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. Last I heard from, like, uh, August or September, though, uh, the Paranorma site team are really pushing for a sequel, so here's hoping one comes out.
0: I don't envy them trying to convince anyone at Square Enix to make a smart decision.
2: Was there also anything, like, in the game that you found, like, surprising and interesting, Jen?
1: Um, I feel like it's a double situation of... Let me pull up the page again. Um, the game was written by Takanari Ishiyama, whom... Most of their visual novels haven't come out over here, but they are pretty much a cult classic visual novel creator to the point where it would have been great if Square Enix pushed on that front and just been like, hey, here's this person who's made some of the most influential visual novels over the past two year- 20 years. You should definitely check their stuff out, and this is another one of theirs, but... uh the other one is a better foot for best moment, honestly, because it's just figuring out how the game itself works, and it gets to some really clever outside of the box uh, situations
0: all right um yeah maybe maybe we cut it here and we talk about it some more when we get to to best moment okay. Uh, That leaves us with four right now. We have F-123, The Lies of P, Scott Pilgrim takes off, and Oshino Ko, which I think we know are all pretty surprising experiences we had this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm.
1: Maybe F-123, just because the scale of surprise isn't quite the same as it is for some of this other stuff. Like, uh... It, it's basically another one of those uh, F1 games where every other year they've started creating a story campaign for it, and uh, of course, being an annual sports game, there's not much to expect when you go into a story mode like that, but uh, what I found inside was really surprising. Like, uh, the way that they basically seed in certain bits where, oh, this person's being really rude, and then... 40 to 50 minutes later, or maybe like an hour or two later, you find out, oh, this person's been fighting with Tinnitus this whole time. They really didn't tear me when I asked them to move over that one time. And uh Yeah, it it pulls some interest it basically throws some interesting punches uh for a sports game. And uh I'm really happy that they managed to make a story campaign in an F1 game that really grabbed me
0: yeah um I think maybe you might cons- you know you don't have to but you might consider putting it on best moment but um I-, I think for that single beat we can't it can't you know the rest of the game is is an F1 game
1: yeah I'll, I'll, I'll think about adding it to best moment
0: uh, and that gives us a top three we did it
2: we did it yeah well Let's Nothing has to win. Let's two. go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something has to win. Um I could talk a little bit about Scott Pilgrim takes off. Sure, quick. please. Um so you know, it was announced a year or two ago that there would be a from Science Saru a Scott Pilgrim anime. And I think that the expectation going in when A lot of the pre-release material came out and just generally the talk around it was like, okay, they're going to do a pretty straightforward adaptation of the comic that is just like, well, here was the stuff that wasn't covered by the movie. Here's the stuff that hasn't been animated. So we're just going to do that. And then you get to the first episode and like, oh no, we've killed off Scott. Um, Right at the beginning. And now we're going to tell this whole new story that is this... I have jokingly referred to it, and other people have done this as well, as Rebuild of Scott Pilgrim, because it is trying to reconcile and move forward its own legacy, like, as a story. And Scott Pilgrim takes off, does a lot of things to just re-examine what the story has meant to people and to the people that made it um and then also it's a very entertaining anime like as well which is maybe not a shock because it's coming from science saru but like they got a lot more work after aizaken um and i think the quality of it wasn't necessarily surprising but it is like really gorgeously animated. It has a lot of love put into it. And then also just the surprising bit of giving every single English actor who portrayed the characters from the movie back to voice their roles. That never happens, especially with a bunch of Hollywood actors.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It also takes uh, Matthew Patel, like the character that Scott beats after... Five minutes after being introduced in like the original movie and goes, hey, he's going to be the main antagonist now. (laughs) And uh, that took me completely by surprise. Like I went in thinking, "Okay, I hope they give Matthew Patel a little bit more to do just because they're going back to this material and they gave him a lot more to do.
2: And they gave like almost all the characters by like decoupling the Scott Pilgrim story from Scott himself. Like, they were able to focus on, like, the rest of the pretty wide cast and do some, like, really fun, interesting things with the characters. And it was just a joy to watch from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. But really, after that first episode, it was like, oh, what, something's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and
1: I love the detail of, people going in not expecting what it is and then a few episodes later they look back at the title and it's like Scott Pilgrim takes off. You, you told me what was going to happen this whole fucking time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, On the other hand though, Oshinoko has the worst fucking pitch in the world.
2: <laughs> Oshinoko has a pitch that is actively repellent and it yet it is still one of the most engaging thriller like like dramas i've seen in a while
0: <laughs> well it's yeah. funny cuz i don't know if i care about the thriller side of it very much i still think the show is really good um but to me like all the reincarnation stuff i'm like yeah fucking whatever <laughs> i i think in episode 1 Episode 1 has good stuff in it, but anytime the reincarnation stuff came up, I thought it was pretty bad. And the only part of this that I think works for me and is effective is just the fact that these are precocious kids, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Amazing what the kids know nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Sign of the times. Um... Yeah, Oshinoko's whole setup um, made us like we we were like oh we're never gonna cover this
1: yeah on twitter back when I was still posting on main I basically took a look at the premise and I was like oh this sounds gross fuck that we're never covering that and then some friends came up to me and was like it's really good actually you should take a look and eventually I did and I was like oh okay okay <laughs> I see what you mean. I I probably shouldn't have uh, second-guessed the writer of Kaguya-sama as much as I did at that point, because they know what they're doing.
0: I mean, you know, appreciating someone's work isn't knowing their heart. I was- like, I'm glad it worked out. It is not unfair to be like, huh, it sounds like you made something that a creep would make, because we're not friends. I don't know you like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, True
0: second-guess creators. It's fine.
2: It sounds like, to me, it's a, for winner, it's a toss-up between Lies of P and Oshinoko.
0: I don't... That I think it's Scott Pilgrim, isn't it?
2: Scott Pilgrim that takes it?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. Because, like, they pulled off that opening twist Amazingly, to the point where <laughs> when they were talking about uh, the reveal to a magazine uh, a few months before, or like a year before, they were super duper nervous about anyone hearing when they were talking about it. But uh, yeah, not only is it a great twist, it ends up being in a very interesting story, and uh, it's a good way to basically close the book on those characters
0: it's hard for for surprise it's hard to beat something that you thought was a remake and is not
2: that is true yeah because i was wholly convinced that it really was just going to be a remake or reimagination or like remix of the comic that i had already read and then really it's like It really is in the strength of that first episode that, like, after watching it, I was like, no, I need to see where this goes, like, and finished it, like, finished watching the whole season in one sitting at that point, um, and there were more surprising moments, like, as, like, the show goes on as well, um, But like it really is that that opening moment is there to like hook you immediately in a story as well known as Scott Pilgrim. Like that's the other thing. Like you'd think like Scott Pilgrim would be a known quantity as well. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, here's the thing that is like relatively popular that people know about, and then the guts it takes to make a show that's like. No, this isn't going to be like anything you expected. We're going to be telling something completely different here. Like that, that's commendable. Mm -hmm.
0: It's also opening the door to me actually trying to care about Scott Pilgrim. I have seen the movie and I thought it was fucking insufferable. And I was like, all right, I don't care about this. I don't care about Scott Pilgrim. I'm not paying attention to anything Scott Pilgrim. And it's like, okay, you did something cool here. I'll I'll open the door a little. I'll take a look.
2: I will say that Takes Off is a like in rewatching the movie, it's like the movie like a lot of people, a lot of the characters are very like hard edged, I guess. Like like everybody's kind of insufferable. Like in Takes Off, they actually take some time to be like, no, there's this is the reason why you should, you know, why this character is likable or at the very least interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not to say that they sanded off the edges, but just more like showed other sides of the characters. And I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, I I, I think Scott Pilgrim takes off, like, would be a fitting, like, winner for this category. It seems
0: like a good winner. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, then our winner for Best Surprise is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which winners up The Lies of P and Oshino Ko. Uh, As ever, an honor to be nominated, and uh, just, you know, great to have some good surprises this year. Indeed. Always look forward to the things you don't look forward to. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back with more awards, but until we are, folks, thank you so much for joining us, and peace out.
1: See ya.
2: Later.